0: Hello, 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 and welcome to the Animal Files. Thanks for joining us. We are going to talk about buying from a breeder versus adopting from a rescue or a shelter. Now, if you've been listening to us long enough, you know where we stand. But as always, and is our way, we need to give you all the information so you can make the best choice for yourself. Now, even though you can get amazing and great pets from both breeders and rescues and adoption centers, there are still a lot of pros and cons and things that you need to keep in mind when making the decision. So I'm going to have Miranda get you started on what you need to know. And we're going to start with the pros of purchasing from a breeder.
1: One of the definite benefits of Going to a breeder is it gives you the opportunity to see and interact with the breeding parents right from the get-go. So you can see what their personalities are like, what their characteristics are like, what their behaviors are like. Now, that doesn't guarantee that the puppies that they have are going to have the same personalities, characteristics, and that as well. But it can give you a bit of an idea compared to when you go to a rescue shelter You don't have any of that kind of background information. You also get to see the environment that these puppies and kittens are being raised in. So you'll be able to see how the breeder works with these animals, how they treat them. Are they providing a healthy, safe environment for these animals? You can see whether these animals are being given space, whether the animals are being able to display their natural behaviors and whether these animals appear to be happy or stressed. So you can see all of that for yourself. You'll also be able to really get an idea of how much these breeders really care for their animals. If they are really in love with the breed they are breeding, then you're going to be able to see it in how they treat the animals. They're going to want the best for these animals. They're going to want them to be as healthy as possible. They're going to want to... Try to ensure that genetic health issues are not perpetuated and things like that.
0: Yeah, you'll, they'll have all that knowledge of the breed that is necessary mm-hmm. when picking and choosing the traits.
1: Once the puppy or kitten is born or the litter is born, you'll have the opportunity to be able to interact with them even prior to their weaning. This gives them an opportunity to be socialized at a very young age this new furry family member that you might be taking into your home is going to be provided with access to socialization and basic training before you even bring them into your home.
0: That's always the bonus.
1: It is. It reduces the amount of work that you have to do to get them to that point. Plus, they're getting started at a much younger age, which is more beneficial because then they learn these behaviors sooner rather than later. You know, anything habit-based If you start trying to learn a habit after you've already started developing a habit, it can be much harder to break the original habit so the earlier that they can learn the socialization and the training, the more effective the results are going to be. Yeah, being able to see the parents as well as the other animals that are there in general, it'll give you an idea of what kind of confirmation and temperament the puppies and kittens might have.
0: Yeah, and that's always a good thing if you get to see how the mother is, because the mother's teaching the the puppies and the kittens how to navigate. The world. So if their temperament is pretty stable, then hopefully, if there's no other genetic defects, the kittens or the puppies will also have a similar temperament. Mm -hmm. That's always a good thing to know.
1: And I think even if the mother and father dog or cat is separated in one location and the other one's in a separate location. If both of these sides are reputable, you should be allowed access to see the mother and the father.
0: Hopefully, yes. (laughs) Hopefully.
1: (laughs) So that you can see what both of their temperaments and conformation
0: is like. So that's a lot of pros. We're not going to sit here and tell you that there are no pros to getting your dog from a breeder, but there are also a lot of cons. So let's go into the cons. It looks like there's more cons than there are pros to buying from a breeder. (laughs) So let's go into this.
1: Well, sometimes pros and cons can depend on what side of the fence you sit on, but. (laughs) True. (laughs) That's the case with this first one in that when you go to a breeder, typically you can only get puppies and kittens. You are not able to get the more mature dogs and cats. Now, that might be an exception sometimes if they have an older dog or cat who it's not really good for them to continue having litters that maybe they might try to find a home for that dog or cat. Now, this is where it could be a pro or a con because puppies and kittens, that's what a lot of people end up wanting. There's a lot of people who will not consider an older, more mature animal. But if you are one of those people who would like to be able to provide a home to a more mature animal, then a breeder is generally not the option for you. Now, cost is a big thing. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you go to a breeder, you can expect to pay $500 to $5,000 or even more, depending on the breeder. Which is crazy.
0: I mean, unless you're buying a service animal, you should not be spending $5,000 for an animal. It's just, I mean, sorry. <laughs> just, no, that, that dog best have all of its obedience training right there, right? Done. <laughs> Move in ready. <laughs> my opinion.
1: anyway. My opinion that I will add to that is that if you are willing to spend that kind of money to buy an animal, then you should also be in a position to spend the money that is needed to properly care for the animal.
0: Exactly. Oh my gosh. That is a big one. Because animals are expensive. Mm-hmm. You don't just bring them in your house and call it a day. No, there's, there's grooming, there's other services, there's all of the enrichment stuff, there's bedding. There's, I mean, it's not cheap. And if you want to have a really healthy, thriving animal, you got to spend money on them.
1: Mm-hmm. One of the biggest challenges when it comes to breeders is that it can be really difficult to find a breeder who truly cares about the quality of the animal more than the quantity of animals that they're breeding. A good quality breeder is breeding because, like we said, they really love the breed that they're trying to perpetuate, but they also really care about the health. They want the animals to be as healthy and as happy as possible. They understand the genetics and all the science behind it and are going to make the effort and do their due diligence to breed quality animals, mm-hmm. and these breeders are not going to be making as much money as the other ones who are focused more on how many animals can I sell this month? Yeah, one of the biggest cons this is one of Victoria's and, and my biggest soapboxes, <laughs> <laughs> biggest pet peeves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Is the idea of intentionally breeding animals, which is adding to an already overburdened pet population. Yes. And because there's really no control around breeding right now, there's really no control over how how many animals are being added to the pet population on a monthly, yearly basis.
0: Yeah. That's why doing your research for any potential breeder you're looking at is key. Because you want to make sure how many litters a year that they do, what is their rating. I mean, you can tell if somebody's just doing something to get a little bit of money in their pocket, or in this case, a lot of money in their pocket, you can tell. So doing your research for these breeders hopefully will eliminate some of these cons for you. If you are dead set on getting your dog from a breeder or a cat from a breeder, do your research. Because you eliminate some of these cons, mm-hmm. not all of them, because there are plenty of animals in rescues. And most likely, there are animals of the breed of your choice in a rescue.
1: Definitely. Yeah.
0: So you might want to just wait all, <laughs> wait all. Because mm-hmm. these cons really, I don't know. I always stay away from things that have high cons. My opinion, I know, but. <laughs> <laughs> But intentionally breeding also can add extra stress to the animal unless they're doing Mm -hmm. it properly. You know, if they're forcing their dog or their cat to have multiple litters a year just to put money in their pocket, they don't care about the animal. Right. So do your research.
1: Yeah. And we're talking about not just puppy mills and kitten mills, which is the extreme side of it, but there's the in-between where the cats and dogs are still having more litters than that's healthy for them. That they're probably not being given the space that they need, the comforts that they need. You know, the ones in between might still be providing a clean environment. They might be given relatively decent nutrition. I won't say good nutrition, but at least decent nutrition. They might be doing those kinds of things. They might have some toys and stuff for them, but they're not doing their utmost to make sure these animals are thriving and healthy.
0: Yeah. And going to breeders such as that. That would be what we consider non-reputable. They are more likely to breed unhealthy animals. And then you end up with bigger vet bills Mm -hmm. because these people don't know genetics and genetic health is really important. And sometimes some genetic issues are not covered by pet insurance because it would be considered a pre-existing condition. So you want to keep that in mind as well.
1: This is why it's really important to do research, to know what questions to ask, and we're going to give you some tips here shortly on what to look for. Because if you don't know where you're going, you could be unwittingly supporting greed and suffering if your desire to get a specific cat or dog or puppy kitten is outweighing their availability. So if you're so set getting an animal within a certain time period, and you're not willing to wait until a reputable breeder or a rescue is able to offer what it is you're looking for, then you're contributing to the bigger problem. When you buy from a pet store, now this is not necessarily every single pet store that's out there, but there's a lot of pet stores out there that if you buy from them, you could be supporting a pet mill or an unreputable breeder. You could also be supporting smuggling or other criminal activities at the expense of the animal. So I know there are some people who will get animals from abroad, that they think they're getting this animal, rescuing it from an unsavory situation. This is what they're told, but have they really looked into it to find out what is the real situation? And what are they being charged for the animal?
0: I think price would be one of the key details that would give you Mm -hmm. a little bit of an idea of where they stand.
1: Definitely. And the other side of that too, is if you get an animal outside of the country, aside from being potentially supporting illegal activities, these animals could have some kind of an illness that is maybe not common in the area that you're living in. And you could be bringing that illness into this province, the state, the city, whatever it might be. Now, typically the animals have to be quarantined and are going to be probably tested in that to see if they might have any kind of contagious illnesses.
0: Unless they're smuggled. If they're smuggled, they're not going to be going through that stuff because they're not going to want to have anybody on their tail. They don't want to put up a red flag at a veterinarian or whatever. So they may have maybe not reputable vets that they work with. They may not even care and they're just looking for the paycheck. So that's another thing. When you're going into that possibility of illegal activity, Mm -hmm. they're not treating these animals like we would. They're just smuggling them in, trying to make a quick buck. They don't really care. Mm -hmm. And those animals are not getting the right care Mm -hmm. just from the get-go. They're not.
1: Right. I would also have to believe that if these animals are being smuggled or brought into the the country illegally, that they're not going to be going on the commercial airlines. No. They're going to be coming in through another method. Because if it's through a commercial airline, I would have to assume they're going to be forced to go through the quarantine process and all of that. Yeah. The last con that we want to bring to your attention is And again, this is one that kind of depends on how you view it, but if you're getting a puppy or kitten and you're getting them at a young age, that's going to require your commitment to train your animal properly and appropriately. Well, not starting from scratch because they'll get a little bit at the breeder, hopefully. Hopefully. But you're still going to have a lot of work ahead of you because they're only going to be able to learn so much in that short period of time. So there is going to be a time commitment and dedication that is required from you.
0: Yeah, puppies and kittens are going to be exploring their world and exploring your house. You're going to have to make sure your house is in good condition. You want to make sure that they're not going to get outside. And from somebody who would still... Living in kitten world, I didn't sleep for six months, like four hours a day because they were oh, yeah. always all over the place. And the same goes with puppies, you know, whatever they learn at the breeder, that may not be 100% locked in. So they may start the potty training but typically a dog is not going to finish potty training until after you've already gotten them. So you're going to have to make sure that they create really good bathroom habits.
1: It's a lot of work. Mm -hmm. It is. And having a puppy or kitten, it's a lot like having a brand new baby. They're not going to have sleeping habits where they sleep eight hours a day. It's Probably they'll sleep for a couple of hours. They'll be awake for a couple of hours. They might sleep for a couple of, hours. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you know, I mean, every, every baby is different. So every puppy and kitten will be different as well. But, you know, they usually have these shorter time periods that they are sleeping and waking. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Until they get used to your house and used to you and used to their new surroundings, they need constant supervision and constant work you're gonna have to gently create these boundaries that these animals are gonna have to live in for the rest of their lives and that's a lot of commitment so there's a lot of cons
1: (laughs) yes and another thing you might have to deal with as well when they're a puppy or kitten is initially they might be whining and whimpering a lot it can be really stressful And emotional, I guess, for them to be taken away from their mother, from the environment that they're familiar with, and being dumped into a new environment where nothing is familiar, the routine's not familiar, none of the people or other animals are familiar. So there's a lot of adjustments that they have to make. So you could end up dealing with a lot of different vocalizations and potentially some initial behavioral issues as they try to navigate their new situation.
0: Yeah, there's a lot. The next half, we're going to talk more about rescues and shelters. But before we close out the first half, let's go through some tips that the folks at home need to know about responsible breeders and how to choose them properly.
1: Mm -hmm. One of the things is check if the breeder has a valid license for breeding. This is not always possible because unfortunately, there's still a lot of places where a license is not required, but I still recommend that you ask if they have one, maybe they don't have a license, but maybe they have some other documentation that they could show you that might help you to feel they are a more responsible breeder. Mm
0: -hmm. This next one's really good, especially if you want a purebred. This is actually really important if you want a purebred. Another thing to check is if they're registered with the AKC or the CKC or another major kennel club, because these particular organizations have rules and guidelines. So if they have a registration through those organizations, that's another way to figure out how reputable they are or not.
1: I'm assuming most people are familiar with the certain forms of AKC and CKC. What those stand for is American Kennel Club and Canadian Kennel Club, but I'm sure they probably have one in the UK and other places too, and I'm not sure what the names for those would be, so you'd have to do some searching for that. Another thing that helps to show the breeders knowledge and their desire to have a healthy breed is they should be able to provide you with information about the breed and their lineage. So it's not so important on the appearance. The focus shouldn't be so much on the appearance. It should be focused on whether or not they are healthy, whether there's going to be congenital issues, or if they're going to have problems with their joints. For example, with German shepherds, they often will have hip dysplasia. So a reputable breeder is going to breed German shepherds to not perpetuate that hip dysplasia issue.
0: And if they are repeatable, they would have access to their genetic testing Mm -hmm. because they would have done those tests to make sure that the line that they are working with doesn't have a prevalence of certain issues within the genetic coding information of that line.
1: Mm -hmm. There's so much knowledge that a good breeder should have. (laughs) (laughs) So they should be knowledgeable about the breed itself. Like we said, their genetics, their health, what is the best nutrition for them, how to provide enrichment activities and an environment for their physical and psychological benefits. They should care about that. Mm -hmm. And with nutrition, they should be concerned about the quality of the nutrition that they're feeding them. They may not be feeding them the high end stuff, but it should be at least relatively balanced. And they should be willing to answer any questions that you have and provide you with support After you have brought one of their puppies or kittens home with you. Yes. So there should be some ongoing support.
0: Yes. And this next one is huge, (laughs) huge, huge, huge. They should require you to spay and neuter your animal because they want to make sure that the breed stays pure. And if they are Mm -hmm. going to allow you to maintain an intact animal, they are not. Interested in bettering the breed. Mm -hmm. That's a red flag.
1: Right. There should be a contract in place that you sign that specifically says this is a requirement. And they may have something in the contract that says, We will take this puppy or kitten away from you if you do not abide by this agreement. Mm
0: -hmm. That's an important one. Mm
1: -hmm. So they should have a contract for you to sign. If there's nothing for you to sign, that's another red flag. Mm -hmm. But when you do get provided with a contract, make sure you read it in detail. So that you know exactly what you were agreeing
0: to. No signing on a dotted line with no knowledge of what it says in the contract. Right. We tend to do that a lot. We do. Read it word for word.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you should be allowed to take the contract home with you so that you have time to read it over in detail. If they're expecting you to read and sign this contract in five minutes... Then red flag that to me, yeah, that to me is a sign that they don't really want you to know what's in their contract. I've had that happen quite a few times. People want me to sign something, and it's like, oh, well, this is what it says, this is what it covers, just sign it.
0: Yeah, no, <laughs> read it. <laughs> yeah, here's another one they should be willing to accept the animal back if it's not a good fit for your family.
1: Mm -hmm, Definitely.
0: And that means refunding their purchase price too. Yes. (laughs) very, Or at least a prorated version of that. (laughs) But yeah, they should, because they want to support the animal. So they will do whatever they need to support the animal. And if that means accepting it back home because it wasn't a good fit, that should be a part of their protocols.
1: Mm -hmm. And in order to try to help reduce that possibility of a mismatch, they should want to evaluate you to make sure you are going to be a good fit for their dogs or cats. Good point. There should not be any matching or agreement signed from a distance regardless of whether it's a pandemic or whatever going on, there should not be anything done from a distance. You should be going there in person and meeting them and interacting with the breeder. Yes. As well as the animals.
0: Yep. So let's quickly go through these last four.
1: We mentioned it earlier on that they should not have puppies or kittens continually available. If you genuinely like a particular breed, and you have your heart set on getting that breed, then you should be willing to wait for a good reputable breeder to have those puppies or kittens available and not just go to any place that might just happen to have it available when you want it. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the environment of these animals, a good reputable breeder will have a good setup for these animals. They're not going to be living outside exclusively in outdoor kennels. They're going to have access to a warm environment. Now, I haven't been to a breeding place, so I don't know exactly how they have it set up. Maybe they've got sort of like a shed set up, but ultimately it should be comfortable. It should be clean. It should give them room to move around and behave like a dog, behave like a kitten and not restrict them overly much. They should have different like toys and enrichment activities that they can go and access They should have people available, whether it's a breeder, the volunteers, other employees or whatever, who are going and interacting with these animals and engaging with them. So these are all things that you should be looking for. And they should be getting access to regular exercise as well. And you should not be allowed to acquire any puppy or kitten until they are at least eight weeks old.
0: At least. They need to be fully weaned.
1: And I would say even three months older would be better, but.
0: Yeah. Again, the person who you are purchasing the animal from should be willing to look into you Mm -hmm. to make sure you are a good fit. We talked about that a little bit earlier. It is very important. If a breeder is just going to sell their dog to any Joe Schmo on the street, they're not Mm reputable, plain and simple.
1: Yeah, that means that they're going to probably ask you for some personal information so that they can get an idea of what kind of person you are, how well you're going to be able to provide for this animal, and what kind of personality you have.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of tips that can help you if you decide that a breeder is where you're going to go. Remember, there's lots of cons. Yes, there are some pros, and there's good and bad everywhere. Just because you go from a repeatable breeder doesn't mean the animal you get is going to be perfect thing to keep in mind might be another little con, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't know, you really don't know until the animal is living with you. Mm-hmm. And before we go to break, I am just going to say one thing. Remember to check yourself because you may be the reason why your animal is not getting along in your family. Mm. Just saying. Good point. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> On that note, <laughs> let's go to break. We'll see you in a bit. We hope you've been enjoying our show. Our listeners are very important to us and we want to not only give animals a voice, but we want to give you a voice as well. So Miranda and I have created a community on Facebook to help us do just that.
1: We would love for you to join us and let us know what questions and topics you'd like to know more about and what you feel is important to you and your animal.
0: So pop on over to Facebook and search for the animal. Files community. You can join in the conversation so we can all give animals a voice. And we are back. You're listening to the animal files. We are talking about the difference between breeders, adoption, the pros and the cons, and everything in between that you need to know to make the best decision for you and your family. This half, we're going to talk about adoptions from rescues and shelters. So Let's start with the pros.
1: This one is the biggest pro I think you can have out of any of the pros is that when you adopt from a rescue or a shelter, you are providing a home for a previously abandoned, homeless, neglected, or surrendered animal.
0: That's a good thing. Mm-hmm.
1: And When you do this, this creates room for, unfortunately, other ones that exist out there. When you buy from a breeder, you're doing the opposite. You're taking away the availability for current animals in these rescues or shelters to find a home, plus eliminating the opportunity for animals that could be on the street or are waiting to be surrendered or whatever the case may be to have access to care in a shelter or a rescue.
0: That's a big one. Mm -hmm.
1: Another benefit is that, again, it's not always the case, but When you choose to adopt an older, more mature, senior, or even just a slightly older animal, maybe around two years old or something like that, these animals are typically going to have already received some training from a previous owner. Maybe depending on the the shelter or rescue that they're in, maybe they might have also done some work with training with these animals as well. If it was a homeless animal that was brought from the street, then there's less of a chance that the animals will have been trained and they will probably need more work. But the chance of them already having some training is higher. Mm -hmm. Shelters, not as much, but with rescues, because as we talked about before, rescues operate on the basis of foster homes. So instead of being kept in a kennel like they are in a shelter, they are actually in a home with a foster family. And because of that, because there's more interaction, one-on-one interaction with the animal, there's usually more information that can be provided on the animal's personality, their temperament, their preferences, any challenges, physical or behavioral challenges they might have. So you will know about a lot of these things ahead of time. Some of these animals could have behavioral challenges, but most of them are usually pretty stable. Yeah.
0: And most of the challenges are things that need to be worked on because of the history, right. whether they were found as a stray or whether they were neglected or abused. And that stuff is workable. Mm-hmm. Don't let anybody tell you that just because an animal has a behavior problem, it can't be worked with.
1: No, the key Thing with it is patience. Yes. You need to have the patience and well and also willingness, patience and willingness to work with it. So, I mean, it could take a few months or even a couple of years, depending on the situation, but it's still possible to work with them. Mm-hmm. Some of the costs are going to be, well, the costs in general are going to be greatly reduced compared to if you're going to a breeder, because generally when you adopt an animal, they're already going to have- been spayed or castrated or neutered, Mm -hmm. they're already going to have received some vaccinations and they're already going to be microchipped. And then there's the adoption fee itself. But even if the adoption fee is $150, that's still a lot less than what you're paying a breeder.
0: Absolutely. And you're helping the rescue pay to have these animals vaccinated and spayed and castrated and microchipped. That's where that fee goes, that fee goes to helping them do what they do to provide homes for these animals, mm-hmm. it's a donation, really. If you purchase from a breeder, you're just putting money in their pocket. Mm-hmm. When you adopt from a rescue or a shelter, you're basically donating back into their supporting them coffers mm-hmm. to help them help more animals.
1: Mm-hmm. Like a reputable breeder, a private rescue, and most of the shelters will take an animal back if it's found that the animal is not a good match. Mm -hmm. And again, they're going to try to do what they can to try to make the best match possible. But shelters in particular don't have the luxury of time like breeders and, well, rescues also have a little more time as well because they have the animals in a foster home rather than in a kennel. So shelters can get really overwhelmed and may not... Dig in quite as much to learn about your background Mm -hmm. and your ability to care for the animal. Hopefully, you will take that responsibility for yourself and really look at yourself and your living situation and ask yourself can I really take care of this animal properly? And is the living situation in my home appropriate for this
0: animal. Rescues and shelters also have a variety of mixed breeds. Mm -hmm. You know, you can get purebreds at these places, but more than likely they will be a mixed breed. And here's another pro for you. Mixed breeds often have less inherited genetic health challenges than purebreds. Mm -hmm. Something to keep in mind. So that might help you mitigate some of future vet costs Mm -hmm. because they'll be, on average, healthier animals throughout their lives.
1: Mm -hmm. Now, I do know with some mixed breeds, like cockapoos, for example, some of the inherited health conditions that are in either of the breeds can end up showing up even in the mixed breed because Cocker Spaniels, for example, commonly develop these sort of wart-like growths on their body that can also end up developing in the mixed breed as well. But it's most likely going to be much less likely than in the purebred itself. Yeah. Now, I think this is the best, aside from the very first one that we mentioned, is that when you choose to give a home to an animal who has been abandoned, neglected, abused, whatever the case may be, and you provide them with a safe and loving home, They're going to show you their gratitude.
0: Oh my goodness, yes. You're going to see
1: how, maybe not initially, because depending on what their situation is, maybe they might have to develop some trust first, but eventually you're going to see in their behaviors and in the way they interact with you, how grateful they are to you.
0: So Remember, animals are just little people in furry bodies. They have emotions just like we do. So when they know that they're being cared for and they're being taken out of a stressful situation, they will let you know that they're happy. And you're going to create a stronger connection with that animal Mm -hmm. for the most part. I mean, I'm sure there's some animals that are in shelters that may have certain neurological issues that they were born with that you may have to work with. But all in all, on average, these animals are going to show you how grateful they are to you and they will love you incredibly Mm -hmm. because they know they will, they will remember.
1: And together with that- you are allowing a fresh start for these animals. Mm-hmm. So, whatever situation it is that they came from, because animals can be really resilient and be very forgiving, I guess would be the word. They don't, they might kind of hold it in their body, but they don't really hold it mentally as resentment towards what had happened to them in the past. If they are given the opportunity to feel safe, to feel cared for, to feel loved, They're going to thrive.
0: And adoption fees are much, much lower than purebred purchases. Basically, you're just donating to the shelter of the rescue Mm -hmm. for the medical care that your animal received before it was placed in your home.
1: Mm -hmm. With rescues and shelters, more commonly with rescues, I would say than with shelters, is that you may be able to find a purebred of the particular breed you're interested in there are rescues that specialize in specific breeds or specific age groups or different things like that. So, you know, you could probably find a rescue that specializes in pit bulls or specializes in greyhounds or other ones, as well as there are some that If you're the kind of person who would be willing to support a senior animal that might have to live out its days in a shelter or something like that, and you want to give a home and safety and comfort in that to an older animal, you could go to one of these rescues that specializes in a senior animal, which you can also sometimes find those in other shelters as well. So that was all our pros that we have, and there could be other pros too that we haven't even listed here, but we've got a few cons that, you know, I guess just like everything,
0: there's always pros and cons to everything. Of course. So, (laughs) of course, but again, we're just giving you the information that you need so you can make a fully informed decision. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about cons.
1: Okay. So animals from shelters may not have a lot of history. We may not know where they came from, if they were taken from the street. We might not know if their parents had any genetic health conditions or other issues that may have been passed on. We don't necessarily know what trauma an animal may have endured before they came into a shelter or a rescue, because these shelters don't have the background of these animals. The only information they can really share with you is any information that they gathered during the time that the animal is at the shelter or rescue, where they observe their behaviors and observe their characteristics and personality and that. So that's what you'll be able to find out. There could potentially be a little bit of surprise when you get them home?
0: and They may know a little bit, you know, if they found them somewhere. Mm-hmm. There may be some area information of where the animal was found mm-hmm. that they might be able to add to the history, but it's not going to be that much.
1: Mm-hmm. And if you do have your heart set on a particular type of animal, whether it's a specific breed or whether it's a small dog versus a medium or big dog, you may have more of a challenging time to find what you're looking for in a shelter or rescue because these animals are changing all the time there's always going to be a variety and you never really know what's going to be available Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like when you go to a secondhand store or a place like value village or something like that it's like
0: (laughs) you don't know what you're gonna get (laughs) whatever is there is there once it's gone it's gone
1: So we talked about with the breeders that you will need to be willing to make the time and the commitment to work with training them. With a rescue or a shelter animal, though, you may need to have the willingness to work with an animal who may have experienced trauma and could have some kind of behavioral challenge. Like we said, some of them are pretty stable. Most, a lot of them are pretty stable. Maybe some of them might have minor behavioral issues, but it's not a huge deal. Some animals could be skittish and want to run from the door when the doorbell rings or something like that, which is not a huge issue, but it's something you can work with. But some of them are going to have more severe behavioral challenges.
0: Yeah, because even though rescues and shelters will have kittens and puppies on occasion, Mm -hmm. a lot of the animals are older, and that means... More life experience, Mm -hmm. which can come out in various behavior traits.
1: Mm -hmm. But as we said, if you have the willingness to work with these behavioral challenges and potentially past traumas, the upside of that is that you could develop a much stronger bond with this animal. Mm -hmm. There may be some behavioral challenges that are really, really deeply ingrained. And I don't know if there is any behaviors that have the potential to not be worked with at all. Maybe there might always be some remnants of it, but I believe that if a person has the dedication, they most likely can completely or close to completely resolve any behavioral issues that might show up when you bring this animal home with you. I really believe that it has a lot to do with the the commitment, the dedication, the willingness, and the love.
0: Yeah, an animal who is in a loving environment will thrive Mm -hmm. and will want to fit in that environment especially a dog because it wants a family they're all about community Mm -hmm. so if they are in a loving supportive environment they're going to want to be a part of that environment Mm -hmm. and the more dedication you have the more apt you will create a bond with that animal that goes even deeper than the wounds that it may have had before it came into your house
1: Mm -hmm. so it really comes down to asking yourself why do you want to add an animal to your family, or do you even consider it adding it to your family? Is it to solve some kind of emotional issue that you're dealing with, or is it because you genuinely want to help an animal? or whatever other reasons might come up. As we said before, ultimately it should be a partnership.
0: Yeah. It, so it doesn't matter whether you adopt from a rescue or shelter, like we were talking about, or you choose a breeder and purchase for extraordinary amounts. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to hide the fact that I think people should go to rescues and shelters. <laughs> But you have to consider that no matter where you get your animal, you need to understand that there is a commitment involved. This is not to fill a void in your heart. This is not because your kid won't stop stomping their feet because they want a puppy so bad. You have to understand that this could be, especially with cats and dogs, a 10 to 15 year plus commitment. Obviously, smaller animals live shorter lives, but we're mostly talking about cats and dogs here today. Mm -hmm. There is a time commitment. You need to understand that when you decide to bring an animal into your home, whether it be from a breeder, whether it be from a rescue, that is a lifelong commitment for that animal. And you cannot take it lightly. Yes.
1: Bringing an animal into your home is not a temporary thing. It's not like when you buy something like a purse or a coat or something like that from the store and then you're like, "Oh, this isn't really the right color for me. Oh, this isn't really the right whatever for me. I'm going to take it back." You know. The only reason you should be bringing an animal back is if you genuinely find and this is something you should be really looking into beforehand, but really find that your lifestyle is not suitable for the animal that you don't have the time to commit to them, for the training, for the playtime, the walks, all of that type of thing, that you don't have the ability for whatever reason to take to address a behavioral or a health challenge. But again, these are all things that really should be looked into before you even get the animal in the first place.
0: Yes. And I want to add that if you have an animal and the first five years of the animal's life is all beautiful and loving, and you have all the time that you need to commit to the animal, then all of a sudden somebody sits there and says, no, you can't have that animal or no, we need you to have worked this 25,000 hour a day job. I know that's exaggeration, but- <laughs> You don't just drop the animal like a hot potato and move on with your life. Mm. It's a commitment. Mm -hmm. And if you cannot commit to that animal, you have to keep the door open like, okay, do you know what's going to happen in five years? No, we don't know. normally know, but we have a pretty good idea that we're not going to look for massive change in our lives mm-hmm. in five years. Mm-hmm. And if you are looking at that way, are you bringing that animal into your plans or are you just going to you know, drop it like a hot potato and move on from the animal like, ah, I'm done with you. Mm-hmm. If that's your personality, don't get an animal from either a breeder or a rescue. Mm-hmm. Don't. I had to get on a couple of so I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay.
1: Well, <laughs> I'm going to add too that I know there's people out there who aren't going to agree with this and are going to say, well, children are completely different from animals and how we treat them and that, you know, if you, let's say are renting and you have to find a new place and you're finding places that are not accepting of animals. Well, there are places out there that are not accepting of children. So if you had a child and you found a place that didn't accept children, would you abandon your child because you want to get into that place that doesn't allow
0: children? Ooh, I like that question. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully the answer is no. My
1: personal view is that the same way of looking at it should be taken with animals. Now, I know that it can be a lot more difficult. There's a lot more places that don't accept animals than children. But I think if we really want it, I think we can try to find a way to work around that.
0: There's always ways. I've had animals my whole life. I've always found a way to work around it and have my animals come with me. Mm -hmm. Always. There has never been a time in my life when I had to give up an animal for something else. Mm -hmm. It never even crossed my mind that that would be an opportunity. Mm -hmm. My animals come with me, period. Doesn't matter. If I was given a job in another country, I would do what it takes. To, okay, if I can't bring my animal, I may have to pass. Mm-hmm. That's just the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. When I commit to an animal, I am committed for their entire life. And I will adjust my own to accommodate them that is priority for me that's what is important as an animal guardian as a pet parent there is not a single thought of moving on from them Mm -hmm. there just isn't
1: it's a lifetime commitment it's not a temporary commitment absolutely it shouldn't be about what's convenient for us
0: yeah just always plan for your animal your animal is a part of your family and it's not just something that you just Attached to the outside of the wings. Mm -hmm. No, you make a decision. How does this affect my animal? Mm -hmm. Because that animal is relying on you. How many times have we said that on this show? Animals rely on us to keep them happy, healthy, safe, period. Mm
1: -hmm. And here's some other things to consider before you decide to add an animal to your home, to your family. You want to make sure that... Again, you have the ability to commit to them for their entire life, and you have the ability to properly care for them. You want to avoid being in a rush or being impatient in bringing an animal into your home. Really make sure you're getting the right animal. Really make sure that the animal is the right fit, both for the animal as well as for you. Consider what are the must-haves in an animal, and what are the Mm nice-to-haves?
0: I like that. You know,
1: if there's certain things that you like about a particular animal, but they're essentially minor and maybe more like physical, like say you prefer a short hair to a long hair or something like that. I mean, that, that is something to still consider because there is the grooming aspect and the time commitment for that and how much hair it's going to be around the place. But it's really important to just sit down and say, what is really important? What can you tolerate and what can you not tolerate? Mm -hmm. Being really clear on that will help you to to have a better match with the animal you bring into your home, which again means not being in a rush and not being impatient.
0: And it's always better to focus on the personality of the animal, the animal's physical needs, such as exercise and nutrition and all those things outside of appearance. Mm -hmm. Appearance should be very last on your list. Mm -hmm. There's an awful lot of great looking animals that are really nasty. (laughs) So so focus on the personality and the activity level of the animal and what works best with your family over appearance. Mm -hmm. Animals are not entertainment. They are not something simply to add a bling to your newest outfit mm. these animals have feelings they have emotions they get traumatized they need to be 100% considered a sentient being they have a soul they're not decoration they're not entertainment mm-hmm. and I swear that if you take all of these things into consideration you will be our best friends <laughs> Because we know you are putting the animals first. Mm -hmm. And that is really what we're trying to do. We have a a couple minutes left, but we didn't touch on the syllabus. We spoke mostly about cats and dogs, but there are other animals that people purchase from breeders. Mm -hmm. There are other animals that people purchase from stores. Now that could be a rabbit hole in itself because there's so many things that can go into it. Mm -hmm. If you are going to purchase, say a pocket pet or a bird or something of that nature or reptile or a snake or a lizard. Some of these questions fit as well with them.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Don't just go and buy a hamster from whatever closest store you see. You want to make sure that if it's a big box store, find out where they source their animals. Mm -hmm. Find out if they're getting it from reputable breeders. There's lots of questions that you can ask And of course, if their sourcing is questionable, don't buy an animal there. Mm -hmm. Because even snakes and lizards, they have their own breeders too. And you want to make sure that they're not being brought in illegally. You want to make sure that they're being taken care of. Mm
1: -hmm. Definitely, there's a lot of reptiles that I think are just being brought from the wild directly and being sold.
0: Yeah, and that's not good. And We've seen what has happened when people have done that, especially in our Southern states, when we've had hurricanes hit pet stores, There's a lot of invasive species now Mm -hmm. that there are animals that do not belong in this country that people are buying that are destroying our ecosystem. So make sure you do all of the research necessary, no matter the animal, Mm -hmm. no matter the animal. Find out everything you can about whatever establishment, whatever breeder. Whatever pet store you are looking to purchase at. Mm -hmm.
1: And really take the time to learn what kind of care the animal, whatever type of animal it is actually needs. You know, we share a lot of information in regards to cats and dogs. We haven't talked so much about other types of animals, but each species of animal requires specific types of care. And you really need to If you're gonna research on the internet, make sure you're finding reputable sites not people who are just sharing their opinion, but people who actually can show that they have strong knowledge behind it. Doesn't necessarily mean that they have to have a certification or specific education or something like that, but you can tell the difference between somebody who's just randomly sharing an opinion compared to somebody who is, you know, been working with a specific type of animal for a long period of time. Reptiles I know are very, or exotics I know there are lots of challenges with. Mm -hmm. Here where I am, we have a reptile rescue society that is often taking in rescues of these exotics who have various health issues, often metabolic issues, because people don't know how to properly care for them. They don't know what kind of lighting and heat and nutrition and all of that that is needed. And they end up having severe health issues. So make sure you know what you're doing before you get an animal. Don't just get them just because you think it's neat or cute or filling a hole of some sort.
0: Yes. And I might add that a fish has just as much importance as a cat or a dog.
1: And I think a lot of them end up dying from improper care too.
0: Exactly. Especially if you go to a pet store, you see these betta fish. Mm-hmm. A betta fish should not be in un water. That's why they don't move much in these little tiny cups. That's not the way you take care of a betta fish. Do your research. And find out how to make their lives just as good as you would if you had a dog or a cat and you want to make their lives good. Mm -hmm. A fish, a mouse, rat, birds, reptiles, toads, lizards, whatever it is even if you go with spiders or centipedes or any of those exotic animals, they all are just as important as cats and dogs. And the same care and consideration needs to go into them as well. Mm -hmm. They're not throwaway animals just because goldfish die often, especially when you go to a carnival. Don't even get me started on that. Doesn't mean that they're less important. Mm -hmm. They still deserve care and concern. Mm -hmm.
1: So again, we've brought a lot of information to you and and
0: uh, <laughs> <laughs> A few soap boxes thrown in there. <laughs> <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> but I hope that the information we've provided gives you a really good base on making a decision of where you're going to get an animal from, what's going to be the best choice for both you and the animal. And that you are looking at your ability to properly care
0: for the animal. Yeah. Don't go into these things lightly.
1: Yeah. So again, if you have any questions or anything you would like to share with us in regards to this, your experiences, we would love to hear them. You can connect with us on our Facebook page, The Animal Files Official. You can join our group, The Animal Files Community. You can go to our website, The Animal Files Podcast.com. On our website, you can find the link for our Patreon page and for our merchandise page if you'd like to support us and contribute to us bringing more content like this to you.
0: If you ever want to reach out to us directly, you can reach us at theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. And we're also on Twitter at theanimalfiles. We're on Instagram too. Yes. So we're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so just look for us. Share it with your friends. Help us get this information out there. And with that, I guess we're done for today.
1: Yep, we are. All (laughs)
0: right. (laughs) So have a wonderful afternoon, everyone. And we will see you right back here next week. Bye for now.